Hey guys, happy Father's Day to everybody. Today I get the joy of preaching <laughs> from a Harley. Happy Father's Day to all the men out there, grandfathers, great-grandfathers. And uh, I have a message that's just been burning on my heart. And uh, I want to just dive into it because when it comes to being fathers, it really hits a foundation first of manhood. And I talk to men over the years, and even as a pastor in our church, how do we reach men is so different than how we reach women. The gospel has been so feminized, and church has been so feminized, and we often even speak to their needs, and men often are left out. And as I talk to fathers, as I talk to them, I, I, don't, I don't find percentage-wise a great picture. I find so many men, um, it's like the messages are the same. For decades that I've pastored, he, here's the thing, I just wrote them down that I find men always saying. They're saying they want a happier life. They want a sense of purpose. They want a warm, lively sex life. They want a job that's got meaning and not just the highest paid job. They want to take their family out camping for a year instead of mortgaging up to the hill for some great big mansion. They want to get into a fight for the planet and save it for their kids. They want to learn to dance and embarrass themselves and their kids, even though their kids are kind of proud of them. In there lies what so many men talk to me about. And the problem is, is that most men are stuck in their life of just providing day in and day out. And there hasn't been a real fathering of the fathers. We have generations of things that have, have gone on where fathers are, they're just cold and, and disturbed and vacant and not there. And in most of the cultures of the world, you'll find that there is hundreds of hours spent to just talk to their sons about becoming a man. There are rituals that they'll go through because it was so crucial that boys became men. And if boys don't become men, it doesn't matter what we do. There's just not going to be great fathers because you can do the right things, but who you is, who you be, uh, what you're modeling is what literally your kids growing up are gonna receive from. And when you take a look at what psychologists and those who counsel um, people, there's just a lot of problems. And I wanna just read through some of them today. Here's some of the facts about men today. Men on average live six to 10 years less than women do. They also have higher death rates in every age category, womb to tomb. Men routinely fail at close relationships. Just two indicators, over 40% of marriages break down and divorces are initiated by the woman four out of five times. Over 90% of acts of violence are carried out by men and 70% of the victims are men. In school, around 90% of children with behavior problems are boys. And over 85% of children with learning problems are also 
boys. Young men aged 15 to 25 have three times the death rate of young women. And these deaths are all from preventable causes. Men make up 80% of the homeless. Men comprise over 90% of jail populations. The leading cause of death among men between age 15 and 44 is self-inflicted death. Mental health, physical health, mortality, men win. The prize in every category, just being male, is the biggest risk factor of all. I want to talk to men. I would love to just do an encouraging message and make you smile and laugh and tell a few jokes. But today, what's on my heart, especially after a year of the stuff we've been going through, is I want to speak to the hearts of men. I want you to know that just by knowing stats, the majority of you listening to me have never had fathering modeled, but back up a step. You haven't even had modeled being a man. No one has intentionally reached out and walked you through that process. Not uncles, not um, grandfathers, not fathers. And so I want to talk about this because you need to be the man that, that rises up and breaks the cycle. You need to be the person that cares. When we look at fathering kids, there's three things that are crucial. And that is affection, teaching, and example. Now, these are crucial because affection lets them know they matter. The Word of God's very clear that we've got to raise up a child in the way they should go. And everyone wonders if this is nurture or nature as to how we are born. But affection makes a huge difference for every area of their lives. I've watched young boys and full-grown men look at their dads just longingly for some affection. Would he actually punch them on the shoulder, hug them, reach out to them? I've got four brothers, and they're just wonderful men in my life. And I get comments when we meet each other at church, because they all attend my church. And if we see each other, it's not just a, hey, how, how's it going? Yeah, good, nice weather, good day, yeah. They'll always walk over to me, I'll walk over to them, and I'll just grab them, hold them, and squeeze them. And uh, people watch that and go, I just love the way your brothers treat each other and treat me. Affection is absolutely needed. And it's the first thing that you find leaving when men are cold and distant and they've never had it modeled. Stop worrying about and blaming your dad or your grandpa right now because they probably never had it modeled. They probably never had a father figure in their life who even knew what a man was. And we get, I could show you a ton of reasons going back generation by generation to wars and to a whole bunch of different reasons. That's time for another message because I've only got about eight more minutes. You need to recognize that your kids need affection. You needed it and you didn't get it. That means you're going to be awkward reaching out and hugging your boy. That means it's going to be awkward hugging your daughter. Everyone's good at hugging babies and toddlers, but when they become young men and young women, you must continue to reach out compliment them, reach out and hug them, put your hand on their shoulder, notice them all the time. 
kids and grown-up kids and teenagers are literally longing for affection. And they're so starved for affection. And I can see it in their eyes as they look, especially at their dads. We've got to teach them as men and fathers. We've got to teach them to understand their lives. We've got to teach them through all the different things that are going on. And we need to be an example. They are watching us handle um, difficult situations, how they handle bad times in life, how they handle people, whether they've got true joy, there's a peace, etc. You can teach them all the Bible you want. It's meaningless, not totally, but compared to a father modeling it. We need to step a foot backwards, a step back and say to fathers, it's not so much what you do as fathers, have you found your way as a man? Most men will never read a book on manhood. They just feel like there's something missing with them. Something's wrong with them. And they'll go through life and just messed up. There's five truths on manhood, a lot of psychologists say, and I agree with it as long as it doesn't get too negative. And that is you're gonna die. Life's hard. You are not that important. Your life is not about you. And you're not in control of every outcome. I don't know how many men continually live their lives trying to earn things from their peers, thinking maybe that if they had a better sex life that, you know, they would feel ex more excited. And, and, and both of them are fine earning the, the, you know, the favor of your peers and having a warm and vibrant sex life with your spouse. These are beautiful things. But we live our lives searching for stuff. And then at one point, when you're old and gray, there's a, a really incredible verse in Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to give it to you because you need to kind of read it. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 12, and it's talking here about everybody, every man. It talks about you're going to get old, you're going to lose your desires, sexual desires. Uh, it says here that you're going to find problems with your body, that your arms aren't going to be strong enough to guard your house, your legs aren't going to be strong enough to continue to take new property, your teeth are going to fall out so you can't chew, your eyes aren't going to see clearly, your ears are going to be deaf to the noises around you. It's really depressing. When you wake up in the mornings, you won't even hear the songs of the birds. Uh, you'll be afraid to go into high places because you're going to fall. Your hair is going to become white like flowers on an almond tree. You're going to limp around like a grasshopper when you walk. Uh, all your appetites, sexual desire are going to be gone. Uh, you're going to go to your everlasting home, the grave. People are going to have a funeral for you. You're now going to be a broken pitcher at the spring, a broken well. Uh, in the center, you're going to turn back into dust. That's depressing, Leon. Uh, maybe. But once I see that and recognize that I've got to look at my life, that it's not all about what just I can do for me and every pleasure in my bucket list. It can't be about that because I'll miss the things. You know, duty and responsibility aren't talked about much anymore. We're all talking about freedoms. We're all talking about rights. Now, politically and in our country, in our province, I absolutely am all about rights and freedoms. But as an individual with my family, my home, the church, my friends, I want to look first at my responsibilities and my duties. Those are the things that bring a sense of purpose. Those are the things that bring a sense of rising up and enjoying your life. Rights 
and privileges, they become empty. And as you continue to look at those all the time, you'll never have enough, you're never getting enough, no one's ever treating you well enough. And then you wonder why you see that guy slaving away, working with a big smile on his face, because in this case, he's got a sense of purpose. He knows what's going on. If you want to be an amazing father, become an amazing man. And you've probably been ripped off. You probably haven't been taught the things you need to be taught. That's why God is the God to the fatherless. And it doesn't just mean full orphans. It means the area is my amazing father didn't teach me that God will be the God to those fatherless areas. That is why every one of us needs a, an amazing relationship with God. That's why every one of us needs to realize that only as we get to know him and become born again, does he download into our lives the things we didn't receive uh, in our families, in our homes. When you look at Jesus, well, let me address this first. Most men, they want a best friend in their wife. They want a best friend. And they want a warm, wonderful sex life with her. Those are the two things I hear the most. Those are the two things that most men struggle with and don't have. And I want to encourage you to rise up and decide. You can find all the best friends you want in the bars and the hockey rink and the baseball fields. There's lots of great friends. Have friends. But this friendship in your marriage is so crucial, not just for you and for her, but for your kids to see the way you guys treat each other, the way your marriage works, how you handle things. To any women who are listening, and I know none of you are listening to this, this is for the men, you don't know your husband, so stop kidding yourself. You don't have a plan that will work. Stop kidding yourself. You know nothing about him and his manhood. Or things would have changed already. And that's hard for women to listen to because they seem to be more brilliant in relationships and they seem to handle talking and communicating better than men. That doesn't mean a thing if you're dealing with a man. You're dealing with a man. He's not your girlfriend. He's not something that you can change. Although women are continually changing things, and I love that about them. They're always finding new things, the house, the yard. They're always developing and thinking something. They're always making things better. It just seems to be that desire inside of every wife and every mother. But you can't make that husband better, so stop and then begin to talk to him. Find out what he thinks. And when he thinks, stop correcting him. Back to guys. Guys, you just have to talk. Relationships are hard. If you want a relationship past seven years that works, you have to talk about the hard stuff. You have to, you know, there's, it's amazing when I talk to 35 year olds right around there and I see the look in their eyes. Because now after about 10 years of career, they've had a chance, they thought they're gonna be the man. 10 years of marriage, they're starting to worry. Deep inside, they're starting to feel like, I don't know, I don't know. They don't even have answers. You can just see it in their eyes. And I want to challenge you that if you want to be that father for, for the kids so that things are truly generational, then you'll have to have some hard conversations with yourself. Know yourself. Ask your wife to speak into your life as to what she sees. 
and what she feels. Ask other friendships to do It's hard, but ask them. It doesn't mean that everything they see is true. And if your wife is speaking for, out of her heart and out of her not being raised in the right way, she's going to blame you for everything, and that's what couples do. But listen for the truth. Listen for the truth in the words. And just make a decision. Is this is who I want to be? Because to be a great father requires you to be a great man. And you're not going to do it on your own. God didn't design you to have your spirit man devoid of his presence. He designed you to be filled with the spirit of God. And not to be religious and weird, but it'll come out of you with a strength. There are things that are switched off in men and women that only a born, the born-again experience can switch on. One is an energy, a boundless energy that you're never going to be able to create on your own emotionally or physically. Well, some can fake it. They can run out on the stage and talk about energy and physiology, but I'd like to see them in their private times. I'd like to see them in their home life, the kids, wife. You need his presence. When your spirit man is ignited with the presence of God, you move from having a peace that involves self-control and finding peaceful surroundings to a peace that is so deep in the midst of your enemies and storms. God will prepare a banquet for you. And you'll laugh and love. People will see you chuckling and playing and still taking time off to enjoy home and family. They don't know how you can do that because the rest just stare out the window or watch TV in this like locked on area of trying to decompress their stress. They don't know the peace and many Christians don't know it. There's a joy that is deeper than just you having to do what you like to be happy. Happy comes from things that you do or happenings. But the joy of the Lord is so deep in your spirit that it can't be removed by anything in the world. And the world needs to see men who stand up and there's peace on them. In fact, people will get mad at me and say, you're not taking this seriously because I don't freak out like them. I'm not, you know, once I study things and I've gathered all the facts and there's no more facts to gather and there's nothing else I can do, I now just stand strong, believe God, and I'm not going to worry and fret and destroy my body, my mind, my marriage, my family. They're going to see a man, and I'm not perfect at this at all. I'm just telling you how I think. They're going to see a man who can still laugh, who can get up and dance in the middle of the front room if they put on a good song and get the kids and the grandkids laughing and enjoying. There's got to be joy. Now, not just joy. People say, well, I'm happy. Notify your face. Bible says that it's laughter that doeth good like a medicine. So that joy that you say you have, that happiness that you say you have must come out and it must come out with laughter making yourself laugh, finding moments of laughter, bringing laughter into your marriage. You know, some of you that are struggling right now in, your, in the romantic area, start laughing in your bedroom. Start, you know, stop taking things so seriously and giggle and forgive and, and talk and, and, and don't make everything about your manhood. Once you establish yourself as who you are as a man, you'll stop requiring your wife to prove you're a man and you'll stop requiring your kids to prove you're a man and spend your whole life requiring your family to look after you. That's backwards. Find out who you are as a man in God. 
Get a hold of the presence of God. Recognize your wife will never provide that for you, but she'll be the best friend and the best lover for your lifetime if you'll let her in and you learn to communicate and talk and, and tell her, hey, I don't like it being said that way. Just have the conversations. When you look at Jesus, I often tell men we need a new look of Jesus. I, when I think about Jesus, I look at all the pictures with this guy with long flowing brown hair and a soft, serene face that just kind of goes, hi, I love you. And that's how so many people portray Jesus, just gently walking with this almost Pollyanna look on his face, never worried, never, you know, and, and I don't know if Jesus wasn't worried, but you know, not walking fast or brisk or getting angry or being passionate or rising up with a loud voice, those things, but that's not true. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John again, but my favorite look at Jesus is Revelations chapter one, where it says that he's standing there with hair white as wool, meaning phenomenal wisdom, purity, his eyes like fire. By that, it means he's not, oh, I hope things go okay. It's passionate about everything he does. If he plays with kids, he plays passionately. If he is with men and he's teaching, he teaches passionately. If he is, whatever he is doing, there's a stride. You know, you can see a man walking with purpose or a man just walking. You can see a man who is playing sports with a desire to win or I'm just here putting up with a bunch of guys. And Jesus, it says, had fire coming out of his eyes. We need passion. It says he had a gold band around his chest and he was wearing a garment of respect and leadership. That means wherever we go, the people around us should respect us. We don't need worldly leadership and worldly apparel. It just means you carry yourself with dignity and with worth. Don't let anybody knock you. It says to the young men, don't let anybody despise your youth. Your dignity and worth doesn't come from others. It comes from God and his love for you. And you gotta find that as a man. It says here that Jesus in, in Revelations 1, his feet, they're like bronze polished brass. And out of his mouth comes a double-edged sword. You know, Jesus was incredibly inspiring to men. He looked like the king of kings. He looked like a warrior champion. He said, well, Leon, we're supposed to love. Oh, I get that. But do you really think love's an emotion, that love's just softness? Love is to value something so much that you get up and fight for it. It was so important that Timothy, when he was, you know, when Paul was writing to Timothy, he said, he didn't just say, oh, and by the way, you know, use your faith. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Get up and fight for it because people will get lackadaisical. And, you know, let's just trust God. Oh, I know what you're saying, but are you, you know, anchoring your heart in grace? Are you speaking God's word? Are you speaking to mountains? Are you getting up and rejoicing in, praising in, and believing God with a passion that comes out of your eyes? If you're not, then take a look at Jesus. And when you do, you're going to be amazed what he looks like. This new image of Jesus has really helped me when people try to tell me what they think Jesus is like. And there's so many denominations. If, you, if I rise up and I start to speak strong, do you know how many people tell me I'm now proud, I'm arrogant. If I preach, it should be, God bless you. And oh, I sure hope you love God's word. And I'd love to have you 
what's going on? Jesus had passion. Jesus had something on the inside of him that attracted men to him. So many churches don't attract men. They got one man for eight women is what a lot of the stats are telling us. Why? Because they often portray Jesus as just soft and just kind of motherly attributes. And we know that he can be that way. But we also know that there, if, he, if, if Jesus is who we are to be like, as he is, so are we in this world, then it's okay to be a follower of Christ and rise up and fight for life by believing God and establishing yourself in faith and getting up and going for it. Don't let life just kind of peter you out. Don't get old before your time. All of us are going to get old. I plan on getting old by basically keeping as healthy as I can, keeping the passion alive on the inside of me, trying to raise up people around me who are going to go further than anything I've ever done. My kids, your kids, and anyone else around who wants to pay the price to learn God's word, plug into church. There's some things that I notice about men that I want to say as well about church. We treat church like it's just another business. We love to just talk about pastors and talk about churches and and rate them and judge them. The Bible has a saying from the Old Testament prophets. It says, don't muddy the waters you once drank from and don't trample, trample the grass you once ate from. And it says, don't touch his servants with your mouth. I'm, I never take a pastor on and call him down. I'll learn from other pastors and we'll discuss systems and strategies that each different men and women use in ministry, but I won't take a pastor on and judge his heart and just go, this is the guy's like this, this guy's like that because that's between him and God, and I'm not going there. And the congregation, men that are out there, your kids will respect what you respect. Your kids will be in awe of what you are in awe of. Your children will look at what you're passionate about. I know a young man, and I've used this example before. His dad, from what he tells me, didn't do anything with him. I mean, abandoned and then probably verbally brutal and condescending, et cetera, et cetera. And he's struggling with his mental health, physical health, no drive. The only thing he's got in his life is his football game. Because the only time he ever knew happiness was to sit by his dad in the bench of their favorite football team and watch his dad scream and then jostle him and smile when their team was winning. It's the only time he saw his dad happy when he was with him. That's all he's got in his entire life. I really believe that here at Springs, some of the greatest men I've ever met are in the house. I'm watching you fathers, and I'm telling you I'm so proud of the men that I see rise up and fighting the good fight of faith, being men of God first and then fathers. But all of us, including me, all through this message that I was piecing together, I just kept going, God, I need to do better at this. God, help me with that. God, I don't know what I don't know. Please, your spirit, reveal to me what I need to rise up and be a man of God. And I want you to know as fathers, Don't just feel like you just have to provide the money, a nice house, their own bedroom, a yard, then a cabin. Then when they get 16, get them a car, get them in a good school, uh, make sure they have the right toys so they're not teased. Uh, uh, You know, listen, you're missing it by a country block.
I'm not saying you can do all that stuff. I'm saying that's not fathering. You're their banker. If you want a father, you'll spend hundreds and thousands of hours, and there you will teach them what a man is, what a woman is. You'll be an example for them. And as you reach out to your kids, you can be the generation that breaks this fatherless cycle, which really we see rampant in our societies and all around us. Men wear masks all the time because they're taught not to sweat it, no tears. Men don't show emotion. So they learn to put on the mask. And they put the mask on in the morning, and they take it off at night, if you ask them how they're doing, everything's cool, everything's okay. And they just teach their kids, especially their boys, to be the same way. I'm gonna ask you something really hard to all you dads who are listening to me today. I'm gonna ask you to learn to take your mask off and be vulnerable with somebody. Be open, find somebody, so that you can then speak that way with your wife, if you're still married. And then learn to speak that way with your kids. Because until you take the mask off and start being vulnerable, what do I mean by that? Have conversations that you know they're going to laugh at you. You know they're going to talk about you. All these little fears that make men clam up. I don't want to turn you into your wife's girlfriend. No. But in real men, there's a side of such gentle tenderness. When they touch a child, a baby, when they speak with their wife, but you'd never mess with them because they'll take you out. It's not one or the other, it's both. And in that being vulnerable with somebody, read a good book. Go to your Christian uh, bookstores, Google's best Christian books on manhood and read them. I'm not saying I agree with everything in them, but usually I agree with like 90% of it. You can eat the meat and spit out the bones and just decide I need to be that man that maybe I wasn't taught. And you'll find that something changes in your life. And as you purpose in your heart and you tell God, God, I want to be the man you created me to be. Did you know Holy Spirit will go to work? He's attracted to movement. That's why God blesses the work of your hands. That's why he guides your footsteps. Why? Because if you're not moving, there's nothing to guide. And if you're not working at anything, there's nothing to help you with. Work at becoming that man. You say, hey, I'm a great man. You know what? We do have that small percentage of men who, I guess, if you want to call it narcissistic tendencies, but usually men who act overwhelmingly um, confident, uh, they're usually hiding something on the inside. Because I've noticed that real men who know they are aren't continually trying to prove it. They allow others to do that. Men who know who they are in Christ, that they are significant, they are loved. And they want to be loved by their peers, their wife, their kids. But they don't need it to prove themselves. Wow, what a difference. As I walked through that journey in my life, because there was a real transition time of discovering this, it absolutely impacted my life. And then it gave me something to work on for the rest of my life. So I don't sit around blaming society, blaming the color of my skin, blaming I was born on the wrong side of the tracks, blaming my mother, my father, blaming my wife, blaming whatever. Instead, you begin to say, I'm gonna do the hard things. 
that I'm going to be. I'm telling you, yes, it's work and it can be hard, but the greatest days are still ahead for you. And a thought I want to leave with the grandpas that are here today, it's never too late to tell your kids, even if they're in their 50s or 60s, say, hey, man, I just didn't know growing up. But let me tell you what I think about you and look for their strengths and look for the things that make you laugh and look for the thing your words will touch them so powerfully and do it regularly. And you can literally see miracles take place in your kids' life. Some of you who have lost your kids, stop all the judgment and begin to make a list of the things you love and appreciate about them. Send them a card, an email with no negativity in there that you just, you know, Man, I've been thinking about the strengths and the things that made me laugh. It, often for us as men, it comes down, and fathers, it comes down, if you want to be a great father, first, back up one step and ask yourself, where do I feel haunted? Where do I truly not feel like I'm living what, the life I want to live? And I'm not saying go quit your job, buy a sailboat and sail around the world, but I'm saying that that desire to get up and laugh more, love more, dance more, appreciate people more, come out of your shell, take off the mask, those are good desires. And you can do that with your job, with the same wife, with the same house. And as you discover yourself, don't make a bunch of decisions right away. Just where you are, rise up and be who God made you to be. And I'm telling you, if you'll raise kids with an amazing fighting chance. Father, I pray right now for every father that's listening to me, every grandfather, every great-grandfather, I pray that you would touch them in a powerful way in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Man, dads, grandpas, I'm so proud of you. Keep going. I want to thank you for all those who give. What a difference it makes. It's another sign of a man is generosity with his family, with good causes, and Springs Church is a great cause. Thank you for giving. If you haven't, start with as small an amount as you have to, and together, let's get up and make a difference. God bless you. Happy Father's Day, and we'll see you again next week.